my, my tagline for the Sales Influence Podcast is finding the why in how people buy. It's a great point you're emphasizing that the budget is never really the budget. And so I often hear people say, it's all about the relationship. I get that, but I truly believe that today, in today's market, the relationship is a result of what you can do for me and how you can help me. It says the average salesperson practices what to say. The best of the best salespeople practice what to ask. All right. Have you ever, here's my question for each one of you today, and I want you to really think about it. So if you're driving in the car right now, if you're in your office working, if you're working from home, where, if you're running on the treadmill, I don't, if you're at CrossFit right now, I don't care. Think about this in this circumstance. Have you ever wondered what it takes to be a top 1% salesperson in your industry that makes so much money. Like what do they do differently than what you're doing right now? My next guest, Mr. Victor Antonia is going to answer that question for you. Let me give you a small taste of this man's background. I'm doing him no justice by just saying a few things, but my guest today has a, I want you guys to understand he was not fed like a, a silver spoon. He grew up in a very poor background, one of the roughest areas of Chicago, we'll get into that in a while, but didn't stop him from earning a bachelor's in science in electric engineering, an MBA, and building a 20-year career as a top sales executive and becoming president of global sales and marketing for a $420 million company. Wow. As vice president of international sales in a Fortune 500, 3 billion corporation at the time, he was selected from over 500 sales managers to join the President's Advisory Council for Excellence in Sales Management. He's the author of 13 books, that is a lot of books, man, on sales and motivation, and recently launched the Sales Velocity Academy learning platform with 500 training videos. Most recently, he published Sales X Machina, How Artificial Intelligence is Changing the World of Selling. Hope I pronounced it right. Why the Squirrel Kept Winning. I got to read that. Selling Ain't Hard, Sales Influence, The Greatest Gift, Sales Psycho, Corporate Inferno, Sales X Machina, tie, is it tale of, tie of Selling, Winning Back the Business, Logic of Success, and Sales Models. You're going to have to forgive me. I'm from Arkansas. We don't know how to pronounce book titles. <laughs> he shared the stage with top business speakers like the great Zig Ziglar, Damon John from Shark Tank, if you watch that show, Rudy Giuliani, and top CEOs of the most recognized companies and brands all over the world. We are excited, Victor, to have you today. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. Nice introduction, man. I appreciate it. By the way, it's the Tao of Selling and then uh, Sales Ex Machina. You're close, man. Machina. Uh, you know, like like Machina I said, I'm from, Ar I'm from Arkansas. <laughs> My mom says we don't know how to pronounce names down there. So it's I'm awesome. excited to have you on here. You know, I... I always enjoy interviewing trainers who really understand like what human behavior is like using techniques that work with human behavior. Whereas a lot of sales trainers I talk to still use techniques that work against human behavior. And I'm pumped to have you on to really talk about that subject. And I wanted to dive kind of right into your story and give our listeners a feel for your background. And, you know, how did you arrive at this point where you're one of the elite authorities on sales and persuasion. You don't just wake up one day and you're just an authority on sales and persuasion. Right. Tell us a little bit of your background and how you got to this point. 
So I'll do the I'll do the quick thumbnail. So my family's originally from Puerto Rico. Uh, they moved to the Chicago in the late '50s. So we live by the Humble Park Cabrini Green area. So food stamps, government cheese, powdered milk. Yeah. Mom was always about go to school, get the education, get that job. So I got the education, got a, the the engineering degree and the MBA. Yeah. Started out as an engineer, Jeremy, and I was designing systems. And I had a moment. And I'll fast forward: is I designed a wireless system for a very large company out of Iowa State. And the deal was like $5 million, right? And I was the engineer and I was working with a sales guy. His name was Ken. Okay. Uh, Ken tells me one day, Victor, we won the deal. We won the deal. I'm like, oh yeah. So I'm excited. I said, Victor, I'm taking you out to lunch. I'm like, yeah, yeah, young engineer. Yeah, take me out to lunch, right? So he takes me to a steakhouse during lunch, right? I even have a beer, if you know what I mean. And I mean, I come back to the office. I'm pumped. I'm happy. I'm psyched. I got a piece of meat in my belly with some beer. And I'm happy, 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 right? Yeah. Then this old, you know, this old Dodger, his name is Roy Coy. He said, Victor, what you so happy about? I said, man, we won this deal, $5 million. He says, why are you smiling? I says, man, Ken just took me out to lunch. We had, I got this $50 piece of steak in my stomach. You know, I had a beer. I'm feeling pretty good. He says to me, he said, Victor, let me ask you a question. Now, Jeremy, you know as well as I do, when somebody says, let me ask you a question, it's not going to go your way. So he <laughs> says, Victor, he says, Victor, let me ask you a question. To I said, what? He says, how much was the deal? Five million dollars. I said, I said, how much do you think Kit spent on you at lunch? I said, man, I do had to drop at least half a C note, 50 bucks. Right. And he says, now, last question, how much commission do you think he'll make off of your design? Yeah, that was the moment. I said, I don't know. He said, well, in the first phase, he should probably make about 50,000. Hope you enjoyed your steak. And he walks away. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And that was the beginning of, you know, um, maybe I should go into sales. And I was very fortunate that they were looking for a engineer yeah. who could speak Spanish yeah. to sell into Latin America. And that's actually how I got into sales. Right. And I had a great mentor, started traveling, and then from Latin America, went worldwide, right. so forth and so on. And I, and I love sales, just like you, brother, man. I'm, you know, I love sales. Yeah, I, I love sales. I, I love human behavior. You know, my, my background in, in college, not as impressive as yours. I dropped out my senior year, actually. Uh, but my background was behavioral science and human psychology. That's what my uh, major and minor were. Oh, I didn't um, know so that, I Jeremy. love, I just love talking about, you know, why people think certain ways or like, why, why do they do, why are they persuaded to do something or why are they not persuaded to do something? It like always, like ever since I was a, you know, a 19 year old kid, just fascinating me for some reason. What do you love about the sales profession? Well, I want to, I want to, I didn't answer your first question. I just realized I didn't answer it because how I got into the, the behavioral side, the decision-making yeah. piece of it was, I remember I was reading Robert Cialdini's book, Influence. Pre or Influence or Persuasion or whatever. Yeah, right? uh, yeah. Uh, I think Influence was the first one, I think. Yeah. Persuasion was followed. And then I remember reading this book and I'm like, oh, I've never thought about decision making because everything is decision making. You know, yeah. your brain is always trying to predict what the future is going to be decisions, right? Yeah. And from there, I just started studying all the behavior economics, all the neuroscientists and everything that was coming out. And I was like, oh, what a different way of looking at this. Probably what you went through, right? Like, this is the way to look at selling. If they, and so, you know, my, my, my tagline for the Sales Influence Podcast is finding the why in how people buy. Sure. And because if I understand the why, how they buy, then I can sell more effectively. Yeah. And what I love about selling is the fact that I deliver value, man, and I make money in return. And I consider that the value for value exchange. I sell you a product that'll help you make money. And guess what? I get paid in return. I love this win. Sure. That's what I love about selling. Well, 100%. You're, you're, you're basically, you're, you're thinking like a buyer rather than most salespeople think like a seller, 
right? And that's why they get so much resistance when they first start communicating or talking uh, to that prospect in the first couple of minutes because they come across as somebody trying to sell something to them rather than coming across as somebody that's trying to see if they can actually help them solve a problem. That's what the line have, right there, by the way. That's the line right there to see if you can yeah. actually help them. Because maybe you can't. You don't know yet until you ask certain questions that not only help you find out if they've got problems, but more importantly, help your prospect find out. Because I hate to break it to anybody listening to this right now, but most of your prospects don't even know they have problems. Or if they even know that a problem exists, maybe they don't know how bad it is. Or maybe they know that it's bad, but they don't know the consequences if they keep letting it happen. And your questioning ability allows them to surface those problems from their subconscious to their conscious mind where they become urgent. Urgent for them to do something about it now, whereas most salespeople get, I want to think it over, we're interested in six months, we don't have the budget. Once you learn those skills and how to create urgency by questioning them as far as like almost challenging them to find out what their problems are and really the root of those problems, like what's caused them and how those problems are affecting them. Once you learn that skill, you can make all sorts of money as a sales professional. It's a nine day difference. Yeah, I, I love what you, you highlight something that I like to talk about, which is your ability to ask the right questions, yeah. your ability to guide a conversation through questions, and then have them become aware of, first of all, sometimes, as you say, they're not even aware that they have a problem. And then even if you make them aware, they'll, they'll know that they'll need it. But even if they know they need it, that doesn't mean they're ur it's urgent enough for them to buy it. But exactly. it's by questioning, highlighting. And I always say, you know, I, I didn't make up this phrase, I wish I did, it's a great phrase, says the average salesperson practices what to say. The best of the best salespeople practice what to ask. You and that's right powerful because a lot of people don't think about this. They're, they're too busy practicing their PowerPoint instead of the questions they need to ask. You're exactly right. I see it in so many companies when we come in. You know, one of my largest clients is Google AdWords. We train four of their divisions. And, wow. you know, Google's like, oh, you know, we're Google. Of course, when we call, hey, I'm from Google, they're just going to buy, right? right. But then, you know, I ask him, like, what, what type of training do your salespeople go through? And like, oh, we do lots of training. Well, when you pull back the curtain, it's all about how the product works and the features right. and the benefits. And they were yeah. wondering why they were getting so many objections because they're Google, right? right. So it, it was because they just got on the phone and literally just talked and basically it was like, you know, they would just talk, talk, talk features and benefits. And we've got the best this and we've got the best this and we've been rated this and we rated that. And it's like taking a bucket of mud and like throwing it up against the wall, mm -hmm. hoping and praying that something we're going to say is going to magically stick. Right. And the prospect is just going to want to buy. And I call that hopium. It's yeah. a drug that so many salespeople and companies are on where they hope and pray something in their PowerPoint. They're going to say yeah. like, oh, our corporate office looks really nice, is somehow going to make that person to want to trust them to buy from them. And nothing could be further from the truth. That is correct. I, you know, it's funny because, you know, companies like that, I think their salespeople are the laziest because they have brand recognition. Exactly. I, I, I trust the person that, whose product is not known, whose company is not known, can go in there and ask the right questions. Yeah. And I think too often, I've seen this happen in large corporations that you depend on the brand yeah. I had this experience, Jeremy, what it really happened to me. So back in May 9th, 2001, 3.48 p.m. to be exact, I decided to leave corporate America, right? And so I was working for a big company. And now I had to sell myself. And, and it was amazing how it called me. They're like, who are you? And right. I realized I didn't have that brand support. Now sure. I really had to take my sales game to the next level. 
Yeah. Well, it's a hundred percent true. And you know, one thing that I see and, and, and it's easy to get, and I'm glad you brought it up because especially right now with everything that's going on with the virus and the economic, you know, stuff and the, the protests and rioting and all that kind of stuff, it's kind of all over the place sometimes. And it's easy to get lazy and selling in times of like uh, economic expansion that we've had, like for probably the last five, six years, right? Since 2014, 2015, economy's going, going up and up. Last three years, like boom, you know, like on steroids. And it's easier to sell in that time. But in times of economic, let's say contraction, every shortcoming you, the salesperson has, is only going to be magnified Correct. and will result in you losing sales and losing sales for your company that you really could be making. So it's all about in our time and age, like you really have to own it and you really have to invest in yourself and learn the right training and the right skills. Otherwise you're going to be left in the dust right now. Yeah. I, you, you're reminding me of Warren Buffett's line, uh, line that where he says, you know, when the tide goes out, you'll see who was swimming naked type of thing because you know, as far as who, who wasn't financially stable and I think what ha what's happening now is very interesting because you know people are being found salespeople are being found naked right now but it's also interesting though Jeremy that I you know I'm working with several different companies and this might surprise you but these companies are doing exceptionally well because yeah. it really depends on the industry I'm working with the window company okay gangbusters yeah pool company Gangbusters! In fact, the pool companies have taken down their ads because they got so much business. Right, just right. a mind blower. And so yeah. there are all these different companies uh, that are actually selling more. Uh, I have I was working with a, a customer, a big bank who actually finances a lot of car dealerships. Yeah, and these car dealerships have pivoted, where the dealership now is the place you pick it up, and your website is actually the showroom. You have to, and they're doing incredible numbers with less people. So, yeah. to your point. You got to pivot. You got to shift. And maybe the skill sets that you have today that you had three or four years ago when selling was easy, not yeah. going to work today. So I'm with you on that. You 100%. know, you've got to shift. And that leads us into the next question. How has selling changed? You know, I've got my own thoughts on that, but how has selling changed even in the last five, 10, 15, 20 years? And how will it change with the pandemic? Yeah, I think it, 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 that's an interesting question. I always divided the uh, sales into two range, two uh, episodes now, before the internet and after the internet. Right. Before the internet, you, the salesperson, had all the information. Customers were willing to listen to you, right? So mm -hmm. you could build that relationship. Fast forward, you got the internet. On average, people look at 10 sources of information. And so when they arrive to that dealership, for example, let's say I'm buying a car, they have enough information. They're not there for a relationship. Yeah. They're there for a transaction. Right. And so I often hear people say, it's all about the relationship. I get that, but I truly believe that today, in today's market, the relationship is a result of what you can do for me and how you can help me. If it's I know you can help me, Jeremy, I want to have a relationship. It's, it's who, the, who is the best mm -hmm. at getting results there it is. for the prospect. People yes. don't just buy from people they like. I mean, think about your grandma, Betty, who might be pitching yeah. you your greatest vitamin or MLM. You love grandma, Betty. Right. But it doesn't mean you're going to buy from her. People buy based on people getting them the best result and solving their problems the most. I mean, I could go See, on and on. I want, hey, Jerry, I got, I got to emphasize this because I, you, well, you picked, that's a pet peeve I have. People buy from people they like. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. That, no. that used to be the way it used to be. Now, people listen to people they like. Yeah. You know, if you want to get some referrals or something, I'll listen to people I like. But you're pointing out what we're talking about here is that people buy from people who are going to give them results and they trust. 
Hunter. It's, it's all result-based. And I think that's why, you know, it's like a myth in sales. And I get it, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, people bought from people who they like, right? Because sure. like you said, before the rise of the internet and social media, the only way you could learn about a company's products or services was through the salesperson besides like a TV commercial or the radio or something, right? But in our day and age, you know, with the power of the internet, social media, it's a completely different buyer because they already know about you. They already know about your company, your products, your services, your price point, who your competitors are. They know where you've been in business, you know, how long you've been in business. They know everything about you by simply doing a Google search on their smartphone. And because of that newfound power, they no longer going to be manipulated or pressured by pushy salespeople, enthusiastic salespeople, because they know they have many choices to choose the exact product or service that you sell. So you really have to learn. In our danger, you have to learn how to think like a buyer instead of thinking like a seller. That is such a massive paradigm shift. When we're on sales calls, we have to find out if we can even help the prospect in the first place. We have to find out if there's a sales to be made because mm -hmm. maybe there's not, maybe we can't help them. And when you come across with that mindset, that paradigm shift and your questions relay that and pull out emotion, they start to treat you much differently. They don't look at you as somebody who's trying to stuff your solution down their throat that they try to get rid of. They look right. at you as what I call the trusted authority where they go to you no matter what. You get that business, they're never gonna leave you. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, what's interesting about what you're saying, by the way, I agree 100% with everything. The whole ABC thing is dead. You know, I truly believe, that's why I love your title, Closers and Losers, because I'm like, come on. I get tired of hearing this, you know, ABC always be closing. Yeah, back in the 90s, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Arthur Miller, all those guys. Yeah, okay, I got that. But now, as you say, the, 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 the customer has information, and they're not going to be bullied. And they don't want to be bullied. And you know what? We have things like net promoter scores, uh, customer satisfaction scores. These are things that will impact you when you pressure people because they'll have buyer's remorse and then they'll talk bad about you. But I do want to highlight something that when we talk about how selling has changed, I think this is interesting. I believe we reached a level where the equality of quality. Mm -hmm. By that, I mean that almost every product is the same. Yeah. Almost every service is the same. They really are. I mean, even if you came up with something different, Right. I'll figure out something. I'll copy it tomorrow. Sure. So that means, and I, I love to hear your opinion. I truly believe that in today's market, the real differentiator in any process is the salesperson. It is. It's your sales skills. It's how, it's how you position, how you actually, you know, format, you know, clarify, explain. You are the differentiator. Most salespeople think, well, they have the internet that they don't need me. No, they're confused. They're overwhelmed with information and options. They need you to come in and what? They need a salesperson to challenge them. The best salespeople, you know, if you read that book, Challenger, it's several a great years book. ago. Love great the book. Because it talks about the data. The top salespeople are the best at challenging their prospects to think outside of the box. Because like we talked about, most prospects, I hate to tell you if you're in sales, don't even think they have a problem in the first place. Correct. Or they don't understand the depth of the problem. They don't understand the root causes of the problem. Yes. Your questioning helps them start to understand that and do it in a way where it's bringing out their feelings or emotion. Because mm -hmm. as we know, do people buy based on logic or emotion? 100% emotion, right? It's, it's proven through bank studies now. So unless you're, you're, you're understanding not just to ask surface questions, like, you know, then you have consultative questions that were taught in the 90s, like asking questions about their needs, like, oh, Mr. Prospect, uh, can you tell me a problem that keeps you awake at night? 
Everybody asks that question, right? (laughs) Can you imagine the CEO hearing that question 10 times a week or 20 times a week? (laughs) It goes, I mean, it goes in one ear out the other and sales alert comes right on board. So you have to learn not just to ask the surface questions, but when they answer with a logical answer, how to dig deeper and go under the surface with your question ability. And that's where you start to make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year or more, even as a W-2 or 1099 salesperson, yeah. 100%, 100% of the time. You can be and successful. We, By the way, I want, I want to highlight, because you, 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 you bring up something important. The Challenger Sale uh, is, I think, one of those seminal books that's come out in the last, I think came out 2011, 2012. Yeah. And what I loved about that book was that it was, a, I think it was the second book that actually had like an empirical, I'm an engineer, so I like the empirical data stuff, right? right? And before that was spin selling. Right. Remember Neil Rackham? Professor, yeah, Neil Rackham. Yeah. And so when the Challenger sale came out, what they what they found is that even in the high economy, low economy, simple or complex sale, Challenger sales, they had five different prototypes or stereotypes or archetypes rather of salespeople. And the Challenger was the winner. Mm -hmm. And the Challengers, you said, did three things. They tailored for resonance, tailored the message to what the customer wanted to hear. They, They teach for differentiation. Here's why we're different. But the third part was that they took control of the conversation. Yeah, and yeah. weren't afraid to challenge people. Yeah. And that's what every salesperson has. See, we were taught that, well, the customer's always right. No, they're not right. They don't even know sometimes what they're doing. And that's why you come in, as you said, the trusted advisor coming in with some suggestions, some solutions. Yeah, because if, they, if you're just agreeing with everything they say, there's no trust there because like, oh, they're just agreeing to agree. But if you're challenging them, if you're almost skeptical in some of your questions, it mm-hmm. causes them to think. And they look at you as like, oh, this person's not here to try to sell me something. They're here to see if they can help me. They'll start to feel that way. It's, it's a Very whole different. different thought process. What are, and we've kind of already touched on this, but what are your thoughts on closing, like pressure versus persuasion? Right. So in today's market, you know, again, uh, the challenger came out. When the challenger came out, they said most buyers are 57% into the buying cycle. Others put it at 80, 90, which means they're close to make a decision. They just need you to nudge them over the line. Mm-hmm. And so nobody likes to be hard closed. Second, yeah. in a B2B scenario, the number of decision makers keeps increasing. Some put it at eight, some put it at nine, some put it at 11. Yeah. So again, there's no ABC here, okay? Because it's not, not a one-to-one. Yeah. Look, if it's a low value sale, you can ABC somebody. You want to sell me a $20 watch on the corner, you can probably ABC me into that because it's low sure. risk. And if it doesn't work, I'll toss it. Who cares? But I always say as a sale becomes more complex and larger, ABC doesn't work. Doesn't. And studies have shown that people who've been trained on closing techniques, even via phone, their sales actually go down. Yeah. So, so my whole thing is that I always think of closing this way. You don't need, remember Bruce Lee, the martial artist? Yeah, yeah. He said, he said I'm not afraid of a guy that, that knows, that's practiced 10,000 kicks, yeah. you know, at least one time. He said, I'm afraid of one guy that has, knows one kick and he practices 10,000 times. 10,000 times. Right. In other words, we don't need 101 closes, okay? You don't, listen to me, people. You don't need 101 closes. You yeah. just need one good close. Just practice one good close. And if we go into a conversation knowing where we want to land on the Mm -hmm. close, then to your point, Jeremy, if I know what questions to ask, what information to present, what questions to ask, all I got to do is work my way towards, I call it sticking the landing on the close. So I don't have to close hard if I know where I'm going. 100% because your, your questioning ability throughout that conversation has caused the prospect to really persuade themselves that they have a problem and that your solution will solve that problem. Yep. So at the end, it's just, a, you know, we, we, we train at the very end. You're just asking what we call commitment questions, not even closing. I don't even like the yep. word closing at all. Yep. Commitment questions like, so John, do you, 
Do you feel like this could be the, the answer for you? Yeah. Commitment question. Yeah. yeah. Well, hold, hold on. Why do you feel like it would though? Well, we like it because of this. And they're closing themselves, right? They're it's just hard. The, closing is really 5% of the sales process. It and the old model, like you talked about, the, the Lynn Glarigan Ross, it's like half of the sale. You're just clobbering, 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 overcoming objections, clobbering, clobbering, and hope you win. Man, it's just such a stressful and hard way. Yeah. I think it's a hard way. It doesn't work. work. I, you know, I don't want to criticize salespeople because I because I've seen I've seen great hard closers. Yeah. So so I'm going to qualify my statement here. I've seen great hard closers. I don't like it. It's not me. It's not my style. And because I think in the long run it's ineffective. I think I lose more deals than I win. Yeah. So it does work for some people. If it works for you, God bless you. Go forward. A B C your way all the way to the end. But I think you know if you don't change, first of all, you've seen probably this, Jeremy. You've seen people who just close people who shouldn't be closed. Sure. You know what I mean? You yeah. close somebody who you know you shouldn't have closed. And yeah. later, right? You got the deal. You'll get the commission. You'll make the money. But that person's going to regret it later on. Yeah. And whatever the feedback comes, you know, whether it's through negative uh, reviews on Yelp or whatever, it'll kill sure. you in the end. So uh, yeah. I just want to highlight that. If it works for you, God bless you. I agree. And it's and you're, you hit it right on the head. If you're selling a low value item, if you're saying a magazine subscription for $10 a month, that's completely different if you're selling products that are five, 10, 100, 1 million, you know, complex sales. Like you're not going to go in and use the ABCs of closing on a boardroom. Like they're just yeah. going to laugh you out of there in like two minutes. Yeah. So I, I had somebody try to convince me that you could use, you know, you can pressure close anybody anytime with any deal. I'm like, dude, apparently you've never sold a complex deal. You've they never sold it. one. Yeah. They're selling yeah. magazine subscriptions. Yeah. And that's, and that's cool. But I, but I think that what's changed, I'm hoping that the mindset is changing. I think that's a, the best way to sell, I think, and I, and I talk about this in one of my books, that I believe if you raise the objections throughout the presentations and you block them, yeah. you reduce that buyer resistance. Getting let's, back talk, to let's talk about that. Because I hear you talking about blocking objections versus yeah. overcoming them. And I love that. Right. Can you elaborate more? Well, there was a study that was done that, uh, without getting into detail, but it talks about if somebody verbalizes something, they've made a commitment, right? The rule of consistency, a la Cialdini and all those folks, right? Yeah. And so if somebody verbalizes something, that means they're going to stick to that position. Once I declare it out loud, I'm going to stick to that position. It's like if you want to understand the political system today and the angst we feel, if you say I'm a Democrat, you will look for information to justify why you're a Democrat. You say you're Republican, same thing, Libertarian, same thing. So if a customer says, that sounds too expensive. That's too complicated. They've now voiced an opinion. They've taken a position. So now you're pushed back on your heels. And now you got to try to overcome that. Sure. But when you raise the objection by saying something like this, many of my clients think that this software is hard to use and that's understandable. And what do you think the customer is going to say? And his mind's going to go, I, mean, I was thinking the same thing, yeah. but he didn't verbalize it. Yeah. He said, but if I can show you that it's not that hard to use, would you be open to at least looking at the software? They go, sure. sure. That's exactly what to say. Sure. And you do the demo. And once you do the point, click, drag, drop demo, all you have to do is says, based on what I've shown you, do you think with a little practice and our support, you could do it? Yeah, yeah I think so, Victor. So now yeah, I've just all, blocked the too complicated objection. It's about objection prevention. Yeah. More than objection prevention. handling. I, I yeah. love that. I love blocking objections. No. I love that. Yeah. You better keep that term. You better, uh, you better. Uh, oh, I got a couple of videos already on YouTube. So I, okay. All, that, all right. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I love it. I love blocking objections, preventing yeah. objections from either e even happening, right? You know, it's like if you walk into a car dealership and the salesperson, hey, how's it going? How can I help you today? Just looking. So instead of just saying that, why not mm -hmm. when they walk in the car dealership, just meet the objection where it's at? 
hey, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming in the store. Are you out just looking around today? Oh, well, yeah. now they can't say, I'm, they're not going to get interested. Like, oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you know what you're looking for? And you've right. just prevented the objection from happening. It's like when people walk into a store. I always joke with people. I said, when somebody walks into your store, a retail store, and you know they're going to say, hi, can I help you find something? I said, no, don't. I mean, that's the worst thing you can do because they're going to say, no, yep. I'm, I'm fine. just looking around. Yeah. Can I help you find something? Nope, just looking around. But if when they're walking in and you greet them in this totally different way, just accept that they're going to say no to that. Even if somebody says to me, no, I'm just looking around, I always say, great, I'm glad you're looking around. Let me show you what you're going to be looking at. Sure. Here I have this, here I have that, here I have that. I'll be right over here if you need me. Yeah. You know, just yeah, you're, you're starting to take control of the conversation, right? There it is. Um, and hey, talk about virtual selling or remote selling. This is kind of the new topic right now, especially in the right. pandemic. You know, a lot of salespeople are working from home. They're right. not going into offices for appointments. You know, we train a lot of uh, medical device salespeople and, and companies that they work with. And sometimes they're not even allowed to even go in the hospital now. So they're having to do appointments on Zoom. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what, what, are your, what are you thinking about that? Well, I shifted over, as you see, to virtual selling on, with the yeah. studio and everything. I think what, uh, I, I came up with this phrase called framecasting. Broadcasting is you see the full body when you're talking to somebody, full body language. You know, narrow casting is when you're on the phone, you only get the voice. But now we have this thing called frames or this frame that we're in. And I always tell people, step number one in remote selling is control the frame, what people are looking at. Like even what you have in your background, like you got a nice studio. First thing I know is, ah, that's pretty cool. I like his setup, right? And so, because people will look at things in the background. You even got your camera like at the right level. Most sure. people put it on the table and it's looking up your nostril. Not a good <laughs> <Right>. look, man. <laughs> and so, so what we have to do is become better at reading the actual signals, whether it's the micro expressions on the face or the, or the body language, which now you only have this much body language to work with. But now you really have to work the ears a little bit also, yeah. listen to tone and reaction. So I think that's the big shift right now. Yeah. And the ability to use the technology like you and I are using it very fluidly. Like if I got to share my screen, I can do that a couple of clicks and be able to practice this stuff. I think what's cool, Jeremy, is that, you know, for us as salespeople, as sales trainers rather, that, you know, I think we're going to get more business. Yeah. I'm optimistic because now people in the past used to go, Zoom, I've never been on Zoom. I've never really done a Zoom. Now, it's like, you know, flicking on a switch. Yeah, sure. And I agree, Victor. It's like everybody knows that's in sales knows what Zoom is now. Like if, if we send out, if we have a, an appointment, one of our account executives has an appointment with the company or salesperson is looking to increase sales. Uh, we send out a Zoom link. You're right. Six months ago, some people didn't even know what that meant. But right. now everybody knows what that means. So yeah. you have to learn that technology. Given access to information, our salespeople, the consumers have information at their fingertips. Mm. We just talked about this a little bit. Right. Do you feel salespeople are becoming obsolete or what are your thoughts? No, I don't. I think, like I said, I, I think they're becoming more necessary. And it, let's, let's piggyback off of Cialdini one more time, if you don't mind. And I think it was in his book, they had the jam study, you know, the, they sold jellies at a table and they had 24 flavors, right? Then yeah. they had six flavors and people approached them. They said, which one sold more? Well, the yeah. one with six flavors sold more. Why? Because a confused mind will never make a decision. And when 24 100%. jellies are presented, so what's happening online is the same thing. There's too many jellies online. Right. And so what they need is for a guy like Jeremy to come in and go, right, let me ask you a couple of questions. We're going to narrow down this jelly for you, which one you want, and then narrow it down. Yeah. And so the, I think they are becoming obsolete. And I'll give you a perfect example. I think you'll enjoy this one. So I, I decided to buy a drone, Jeremy. Like a okay. drone, I, just, I do some video. I had, I had this idea of like doing this, this follow me video thing, right? But anyway, for a couple of months, I'm researching this drone, right? And I made a decision. I nailed it down to three. 
my credit card, I figured $1,200, budgeted, my card's ready to fly out of my pocket. It's ready to pay for this thing. Yeah. I go over to Best Buy. I want to see it. I want to buy it. I want to pick it up. I get there. This big dude comes over, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Oh, he was a giant. He goes, can I help you? I said, well, I'm looking at these three drones right here. I said, let me just kind of study this, and then I'll, you know, I'll call you when I need you. He says, I'll be right over there if you need me. I said, all right, cool. He said that with authority. So I know it's down to two drones, right? Call the giant over. The giant comes over. The giant comes over. And I said, all right, I've nailed it down to these two drones. Based on what you know, which one should I go with? Why is yeah. one better than the other? I swear to you, Jeremy, the guy starts reading the little placards in front of him. Oh, boy. Go, I'm like, yeah, I said, yeah, I, I read that. I said, I, I got that. But beyond that, why is one better than the other? Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, uh, a lot of people buy that one. And it was a couple of more <laughs> things like that. I, I realized, I go, finally, I said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, what? I said, do you have a drone? He goes, no. I said, were you trained on the drones? He goes, no, no, we weren't trained on the drones. I said, okay, now there's an awkward moment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I, I walked out of there. I walked out of there, $1,200 still intact in my credit card yeah. because he couldn't help me make a buying decision. I was 95% into this buying cycle. All he had to do was nudge me over the line, but he couldn't do it. See, there's a moment where I needed a sales guy to give me just a little bit more yeah. that I wanted. Salespeople always be there, right? Because, you know, you know, artificial intelligence robots can't pull out emotion from, mm -hmm. from people, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I always say Bant is bunk. You know, if you ever seen mm -hmm. one of my posts, I'm like, Bant is bunk, budget authority, timing. I'm like, Bant is bunk. And let me tell you why. Because it, it, it's when you use Bant in, in selling B2B, it's because it's so old school because you have to understand like everybody will find the budget if they feel like they have a massive mm -hmm. need. What we, what we, what people don't understand with ban is that you're already assuming that they already know what their problem is and they oh. already have a budget to solve that problem. Well, I hate to tell oh. you 95% of companies and, and people don't even know they have a problem, right? If oh. you think Bant works, you're suggesting that every prospect already knows what the problem is already has a budget set aside. That is not realistic unless you want to sell like 2% of the people you're talking to. So you have to understand that people will do whatever they, it takes to find the budget or move things around if they feel that there's so, such a problem. Your questioning skills allow that to happen. Let me give you an analogy of that. Let's say you budgeted $10 because you have a really bad headache. You're like, mm -hmm. I'm going to go take some medicine, going to take 10 bucks. I've got my budget for that. Well, that sounds good. Then you go to the doctor and they do a brain scan. And you just find out that you had a tumor. And oh, by the way, it's life-threatening. You've got six months to live. And right. oh, the surgery is going to cost 30 grand. Well, the hell with the budget. You see the yeah. problem now. You go out and you find the money and you move that around to solve that problem, right? right. That's why it's bunk. If you're using bank, it's because, you know, your company's teaching you skills that are just so outdated that don't understand the sales cycle, the sales process. I, I, I just got to add this. You're, you're, you're a little harder on Bant than I am. <laughs> but, but your example is so well taken, though. True. The thing is, I, I guess I look at Bant as almost like a, a, a checklist for novices who don't know that they need to ask about at least money. And so, but, but I love your analogy because you're right. By the way, when it becomes, when you really highlight how bad the problem is, yeah. they'll find the money. They will. They'll find the money. So to your yeah. point, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and it's not like, I'm not saying you're, hey, you're not qualifying them. It's, right. you know, if the company's bankrupt and out of business and got $10 in name, that's one thing different than right. somebody who doesn't, right? Because right. if they identify the need from your questioning ability, like your mm -hmm. questions help them and challenge them to understand that they might have problems they might not even know they have and right. the potential co consequences that they don't do anything. 
they'll for sure go out and find the budget for that. So I, anytime I heard Bant, I'm like, Stop no, no. <laughs> no, no. So I, I'm going to give you an example where I think Bant works. Okay. And this, and this is, uh, and I'm going to call it in the residential market. Okay. In the residential, and be very specific here, because we know in life there are no absolutes, right? And so in the residential market, I've seen it needed because people sometimes don't do the research they need to do. And I'll give you a perfect example. I'm working with a client now uh, who does bathroom and kitchen remodels. And people call them up and they think a a bathroom remodel should be less than $5,000, right? And so he's, he's had to actually qualify them to see, he asked a polite question, well, how much research have you done? Sure. Beautiful question, right? Lovely question, right? And people said, no, I've done some research. I said, well, and then he'll, he'll ask about the dimension. Then you'll say, based on this room size, I trained them to ask to give them a range of what you think it'll cost. Sure. And that I said, does that fit within whatever budget you have? And you'll be amazed how many people said, well, I didn't know it was going to cost that much. And you're like, well, what did you think it was going to cost? Do you know what sure. I mean? So I, I don't know what they don't know. There you go. There you go. To your point, but but I like your I like your I like your analogy of the because you will find if it's urgent you will find I'll never forget that. that's a beautiful visual. You will. I mean, it's so true. I'm gonna right? give you credit most, when I use that. One. I'm gonna people, give you credit when I use that. Okay, you're, you're, yeah. When you say bant is bunk, you you quote me there. But <laughs> well, it's, it's so that. true. It, it, it's parts of it are good. I'm not saying yeah, that, but yeah. used as a whole, it's just it, it, it. You're just assuming that they already know they have a problem and they have a budget set aside, which is not realistic. Most people don't know they have a problem. They don't have a budget set aside. They just don't. Would, to, to your point, I would never use this in a B two B scenario. Just yeah. would not. I would not. I would not even use it in a lot of B two C uh, type of scenarios either. But but I found that in the residential market, it's almost like because people because people are calling in cold. Yeah. You almost have to qualify them just a little bit. So it has its well, to place, see if they can even get the funding together. Right. But I, I guarantee correct. that salesperson goes to their home, ask them the right questions to find out why it's so important for them to have that. And yes. then brings up that price. A lot of times people are like, oh, I can go get it here. I'll, I'll get my funds from my 401k or, you know, I'll, I'll go do whatever I can to get that money because I have to have this for my grandkids or maybe yeah. it's an emotional thing. Maybe they didn't I have it. By the way, to your point, it's a great point you're emphasizing that the budget is never really the budget. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 But I mean, you got to say that out loud so people get that. The budget never really is the budget. The budget is never the budget, right? Now, one last question, and I know we're Mm -hmm. short on time. To be successful in selling going forward, what's some advice you can give to our listeners? And you've already given amazing advice, by the way. But just what's one thing? I think the advice you gave, which we both agree on, which is to understand being the customer's shoes, right? I always say that I, I came up with something and this is just me being, you know, uh, jokey about this. I call it the universal sales formula because every sales program fits in the three, these three steps. The yeah. first one is empathy, mm-hmm. really get in their shoes, right. And understand the pain they're feeling. Right. The second piece, which we touched on also is the education piece. This is where we ask the right questions, pull the information, but then give them some insights, some information they don't have. They go, oh, I never thought about it that way. Oh, never looked at it. Are you kidding me? Is that much I'm losing? And then the last part, I call it the empower piece, where if you've guided them correctly, they trust you on the empathy piece. You've educated, you've built credibility. Then all I got to do is lay some options for you and just ask you to pick some. That's the empower piece. So it's, it's empathy, education, and empower. If you can do that, I think you'll be very successful in selling. I think so too. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more like showing empathy, showing them that you're really there Mm -hmm. to see if you can help them will completely set you apart from all your competition trying to win that account. Victor, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, Here's my question. 
where can our listeners learn more about you and your training? Because I want them to get involved in that. Where can they go to learn more? Uh, about if they go to, first of all, victorantonio.com. I, I have this thing called the Sales Velocity Academy. It has over 50 courses, over 500 videos. It is an exceptional training platform. Uh, every month we're adding at least one or two new courses. And so if they just go to salesvelocityacademy.com, salesvelocityacademy.com salesvelocityacademy.com make sure everybody writes that down go check out his training and roll in it it's only going to help you make more sales and make more money for you your family and the company you represent victor it's a pleasure having you on the show thanks so much jeremy you're awesome man i enjoyed the conversation hey i want to thank you for listening and for sticking around with me to the very end of this show you know, what does it take to become a top 1% salesperson in your industry? What does it really take? You see, answering that question is precisely why this show and our Sales Revolution Facebook community were created for you. Be sure and tell me what you think about this episode in the comments below and share it with anyone who you feel needs it. You see, I read all your comments each and every week. Me, Jeremy Miner. Then my team and I select winners to receive all kinds of cool gifts and prizes. But make a comment and share right away. Now, if you're serious, like really serious about joining the top 1% and you want to learn from the best in the sales profession, click the links in the description. And if you really want to accelerate your success, do yourself a favor and join our new Facebook group, Sales Revolution. Sales Revolution is completely free. The link's in the description. You see, I release new episodes featuring the most extraordinary multiple six and seven figure sales authorities every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you're new here, do yourself a favor and smash that subscribe button and join our new Facebook group, Sales Revolution. Like I said, free links in the description. Finally, I make posts on Facebook and Instagram each and every day. So be sure and follow me and turn on your notifications. So make a comment in the first seven minutes to any of my latest posts, share this episode, and you're going to win some killer prizes. Here's the thing. Don't sit on the sidelines. Get into the game. Join the sales revolution. Stay active. Get involved. Learn the right skills. And we will show you how to take your life and income to a level that most people only dream about. Stay safe. Talk to you soon.